Amen. Welcome. Happy New Year. Happy 2017, right? You guys are the brave souls that made it to church. I think this happens once every seven years. Am I right? That New Year's falls on uh, Sunday. And um, boy, that's a, it's just a nightmare for us to consider. But it's not that bad, right? Here we are. You guys are awake. <clears throat> look at you. You look bright and chipper. Nobody was partying too hard last night, so... Well, I don't know if you guys have spent any time on social media lately. You probably spent more time than I have, but I, I did spend a little time doing some research um, on social media, and I hear that uh, there are some peeps that are ragging on 2016. They're kind of ready to move on, right? Anybody in that? I mean, anybody ready to move on, move on to 2017? You guys are, you guys are ready for things to be different, right? Um, I was thinking about New Year's. It's such an interesting time, isn't it? this moment where the year ticks over and we move into a new year, I think you could probably substitute any four-digit number for 2016, and you would feel some of those same feelings. You'd be like, you know what? I'm kind of ready. 2016 was fine, but 2017, things are going to be different, right? Whoever feels that way. It's such an interesting moment for us. New Year's is the most, I think it's the most secular of all holidays, right? Because it's like, Sort of universal, like it doesn't, you don't need to believe anything to celebrate New Year's. You kind of have to be on the same calendar, right? Some of you guys are on a different calendar, so you're like, what's New Year's about? Um, and yet, it's such a spiritual moment because New Year's raises for us this profound tension inside the human spirit, inside the human soul, right? Let me tell you what I mean. New Year's surfaces in us a desire for change, right? a desire for the status quo to be different, whether that's in our lives, in our families, in our city, in our nation, in the world, right? We get to New Year's and we pause, and as the clock turns, we take stock and we look at our lives, right? It kind of forces us to do that unless we're kind of have our head in the sand, and it surfaces this longing in us. You know what? There's this, I want that to be different next year. You know, we make resolutions, right? Some of you guys made resolutions. So we're like, you know what, darn it, 2017, I'm not letting my boss push me around anymore. 2017, I'm going to stop eating junk food. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shop only at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's in the vegetable aisle. And I'm going to eat everything from that, right? And I'm going to go to the gym, right, in 2017, I'm going to look awesome come beach time. You know, I'm going to show everyone which way the beach is. I've made that resolution before. On the other hand, what else does New Year's do? New Year's comes around every year, doesn't it? Right? Some of you people have been around the block before. You've been to a few New Year's parties. You've made some, a few heartfelt resolutions before. And oops, I guess the next New Year snuck up on you, didn't it? Right? And so we've been, some of us have been around this thing so many times. We felt this longing for change. And then what does New Year's reveal to us? New Year's reveals, my gosh, the status quo doesn't break very easily, does it? Right? Change is hard. Let me give you an example. Guess what? Anyone got a, a, a guess at what the most popular month for new gym memberships is? Anybody? January, yeah. It's like, if you look at a graph, it's crazy. It's way high in January, right? So many people get gym memberships in January. Most of them, 80% of them are canceled before May. Did you know that? 
and 20% of them are canceled before February. In fact, you know, the gyms count on it, right? If they had to build new gyms and buy new workout equipment for everyone who felt guilty on New Year's and signed up for a gym membership, they'd have, they'd, they'd, they'd have to change all the things they're doing, but they know no one's going to come. It's just New Year's, all right? So it's hard to live in that tension, right? It's hard. It's hard to live in a tension in general, right? Um, we tend to pick a side. Some of us, um, like my wife, <laughs> don't like making New Year's resolutions, right? Because we're realists. I'm not, I'm not going to ch- really change. I, 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 maybe I feel a desire for that to be different, but I know it may not be, so I'm not even going to make a resolution, right? I'm just going to accept that things suck, and that's the way it is, right? Well, yeah, that is realistic, but gosh, man. And so my prayer for us, like I've been praying for you guys this week as I've been writing this. My prayer is that, that there be some of us this morning that would wake up to the longing for change in our heart. You know, I actually think that longing comes from God. It points to him. And so the, the desire, the capacity, the longing for transformation in the human heart is actually something that's there to point us to God. And so I'm praying that if that's you and you're like, I don't make resolutions, I pray that today you would be honest with yourself. That you'd admit, gosh, you know what? There is some stuff in my life that I want to change this year. Others of us make, like me, make New Year's resolutions every year, right? In fact, we make the same ones year after year after year, right? Anybody like that? You know, this year's going to be different. Anybody? You guys are sleepy this morning. Um, my prayer for us, though, is that we'd ask the deeper question. Right? Why is it that change is so difficult? Why is it so hard to change some things in my life? And my prayer is that this morning, we also would be led to God. We'd be led to realize, actually, you know what? Some of the things we long for change in our life are bigger than us. We can't do it on our own. We actually need a greater power. We need God too, all right? So this morning, I want to talk about change. I want to talk about how change happens. How do we see a breakthrough in the status quo? And for an answer, what I'd like to do is look at the life of Jesus, because we are in church, and that's what we do here, right? How did Jesus see breakthrough, all right? We don't often think about Jesus this way. Usually we look at glorified Nick Cage Jesus up there, and he's kind of a static figure, right? He's, he's always, like, rising, right? And, and so, but I actually think if we think about Jesus as a human being in history, something is actually quite striking about Jesus' life. You can divide Jesus' life into two parts, Almost exactly, right? It's not in the middle of his life when he's 16 and a half. It's at age 30, right? Part one of Jesus' life up to age 30. Part two to the end, 30 to 33. Does that make sense? In the 30th year of Jesus' life, he experienced a dramatic breakthrough of the status quo in his life, a dramatic change, right? Before 30, there's almost nothing written down about him, other than events around his birth, which aren't really about him. They're about all the people singing songs, you know, and angels and shepherds and stuff like that. There's one incident recorded when he was 12. Aside from that, there's almost, it's almost remarkable how unremarkable Jesus's life was. 
until age 30. Now, it was obviously remarkable that God became a human being, all right? So I'm not saying anything theologically like that. I'm just saying from that, you get what I'm saying? It's like kind of unremarkable. And then all of a sudden, age 30 to 33, I get why Andrew steps on this thing. You just want to really make a point. Age 30 to 33, Jesus' life is dramatically, it's, I mean, it's crazy different, right? Like, not only is his status quo different, everybody's status quo is different, right? We're here, why is this called New Year's today? It's called New Year's because we literally mark time by the life of Jesus. Why? Because of this breakthrough that happened when he was 30. What happened? What happened in Jesus' life? Well, two things happened. First of all, he got baptized, right? And the beginnings of the Gospels always start with Jesus getting baptized, and God spoke a word over Jesus. He spoke a blessing over Jesus. And he said, you're my son, who I love, and I'm well pleased with you. And he commissioned Jesus into ministry. And then right after that, something else happened. Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, and this is what our scripture is about, where he prayed and fasted. And when he came out, everything was different. All right? I'm just going to read it again. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's our scripture for today. (laughs) There's two things important to understand about Jesus. One, we're not like him, all right? None of us are like him. He lived a unique and unrepeatable life, all right? The second thing is we are like him, right? We're human, he was human, and everything Jesus did, you guys got to get this, he did it as a human being, right? That's a statement God's making. He's basically saying, this is actually what a human life is supposed to look like. What does that mean? That means it's actually possible for us to live a life like Jesus did, not without help, obviously, not without the Holy Spirit of God, but it's possible for us to do the things that Jesus did for the reasons he did them. And Jesus himself says, you will do greater things than these. John 15 or 16, right? Can't remember exactly what it is. So here's my main point. If Jesus needed to fast and pray to see breakthrough in his life, right? Jesus, special guy, most special of all, needed to fast and pray, then I would, in the words of Andrew Mook, humbly submit to you, (laughs) got it in there, that if we want to see breakthrough in our lives, we might consider doing what Jesus did, all right? I think fasting is way underrated. I think many of us dismiss fasting as weird, as something medieval that monks do, um, Not something 21st century Americans should do. 21st century Americans eat, right? That's what we do. We eat more than any culture has ever eaten in the history of mankind. And we go back for seconds. And so fasting sounds unhealthy to us, right? Americans buy. We consume. We consume things until, as Sarah and I found out this last weekend, our basement is full of way more junk that we know what to do with. We have to take it to the dump, right? Fasting sounds un-American. Why would we deny ourselves things? But fasting and prayer have been a key divine strategy for breakthrough and change to change the status quo. All throughout history, God's leaders have been people that prayed and fasted. 
Some of you guys are new this morning. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're here because it's a New Year's resolution, and you're here, and I just want to welcome you. And um, some of you may feel like, my gosh, what did I get into this morning? I'm being thrown in the deep end. This guy's talking about prayer and fasting. Yes, we are throwing you in the deep end this morning, and welcome. And I also think that you're ready for it. I really do. Because you're here, you're here on New Year's Day, guys. Nobody comes to church on New Year's Day. And that tells me that I think God has drawn you here. I think God has brought you here, and he wants to do something in your life. And so you're ready for this. Let me just say that we're all on a journey when it comes to fasting. I'm a beginner here, too. And in my life, as I'll share later, God has really told me to fast before I knew anything about it. Right? before I felt comfortable with it, he's been drawing me towards fasting. I'm not saying I'm good at it, like, necessarily. I'm making my own New Year's resolutions this year. But I'm really excited that we're doing this as a community. We're pressing into fasting this month. So I want to do a little basic teaching on fasting for us, if that's cool, right? Different for us, so I want to teach on it. There's four things I want to talk about this morning. And um, about fasting, uh, let me just give you my roadmap. First, I want to talk about why we fast. Then I want to talk about what fasting is and what it isn't. Then I want to talk third about how fasting works to bring breakthrough. And finally, I want to talk really practically about how to fast. Cool? You guys with me? You can talk back to me, too. I, like, I talk back to people when they preach at me. So, First, I want to talk about why we fast. I think fasting, as I said, gets a bad rap. Here's why we fast. Jesus fasted. We are his followers. Followers do the thing that their leader does. Therefore, we should fast. First reason. Second reason. Pretty much everyone else in the Bible fasted too, right? If you read through, and I, I, there are too many names to throw at you, but it's just almost universal, a practice of God's people throughout history. In the Old Testament, New Testament, in the church if you go around the world to places where the church is really alive and growing, you're going to find a practice of fasting among the leaders. I don't know why, but it seems to have some kind of bearing on the health and life of a spiritual community. Jesus assumed we would fast. Here's a third reason. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, um, when you fast, don't do it publicly, Right? In other words, he doesn't say, if you fast, or if you think it, you might want to try it, or, you know, if you should happen to fast. He says, when you fast. In other words, he assumes that it's something that his followers do. Fourth reason is, I think fasting for us as Americans is actually really important for us. The primary sin of America is overconsumption, right? We're literally over-consuming food in this country, it, there, there's a growing problem that people are at an unhealthy weight because we eat too much, right? We eat all the time. We eat way too much. Not only that, but we're over-consuming stuff, right? I don't know if you've been in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. There's literally a giant island of trash out in the middle of the ocean where all the stuff, all the plastic bottles that we've thrown away end up, you know? unless we recycle them now. And so even in this culture, growth is probably not going to happen by adding more stuff to our lives, right? Growth will probably happen by taking things away, 
Does that make sense? Even the culture knows about this, right? You guys heard about the detox or the cleanse, right? Even our secular prophets have discovered that to be healthy, sometimes we need to stop consuming things, all right? And in my personal journey, um, I've just discovered that there's an incredible power to fasting. In the last year of my life, I've felt really led to, to begin praying for and seeking God for a move of the Spirit in the church, which I, I would call revival, a renewal of spiritual life in the church. And um, as I was asking God, how, how do I seek this? He kept telling me that I need to start fasting. And so my response to God is like, ha <laughs> you can't really mean that, right? You know? And then I would forget about it. And then he would say, no, I actually want you to fast. And I was like, I've never done that before. That's really weird. I don't know what that is. But it kept coming up. And then as I began to read history, read through the lives of spiritual leaders and revivals in the past, I've discovered that it's a universal practice. And as I talked to my mentor, he's like, oh, yeah, you have to fast. There's no way to really seek God without doing that. So we'll talk more about that later. But um, second, I want to talk about what fasting is and what it isn't. Is that cool? All right, first thing fasting is not is a diet, all right? And I've tried to do this before. I've tried to kill two birds with one stone, as it were. When I started fasting, I'm like, awesome. I want to lose weight too. This is a great thing. You could do two things at once. And I think it gets messy to do that. So I would just, I would encourage you not to. Actually, part of what, what fasting is so important is our motivation in it, right? So if you want to lose weight, diet. Have a diet and work out, right? And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to seek God for breakthrough, then fast. Does that make sense? Um, second thing, fasting is not a way to impress people with religiosity, right? And Jesus cautioned us. He said, don't fast and then make it really public that you're fasting, right? Oh, yeah, I'm fasting. Yeah, I'm fasting. Yeah, I'm really, really holy, really um, religious. Because Jesus says the whole purpose of fasting is so that God sees it and not other people. It's really for him. It's for God, right? And so it's fine to tell a buddy. It's fine to do it with your home group. But it's not a way to impress people. Does that make sense? Third, fasting is not a way to earn God's love. Right? And this is really important because human beings like to do religious things to make God love us, right? We think, I've, I've screwed up. I've messed up in my life. I know, I'll do this religious activity, and then God will like me, right? This is the calculus. Do you guys, know, have you ever thought those things before? Your mind, I know I have. And the truth is that God loves us no matter what we do, right? And we've all screwed up. We've all messed up. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. And the way to be right with God is not to fast for him. The way to be right to God is the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for everything we've ever done. And so we come to him in humility and we say, Lord, I've sinned, please forgive me. And on account of his grace, we receive forgiveness and relationship with him. And then out of that place of his love, then we fast, right? And so Jesus, before he fasted, he received the Father's blessing from heaven. You are my son, who I love, 
with you I'm well pleased. And it's out of that place of blessing that he fasts. So those are what fasting is not. What fasting is, is I mean, it's fairly obvious. It's removing something from our life in order to make room for God. It's removing something. It's creating an empty space in our stomach, an empty space in our living room, I don't know, an empty space in our mind that God can fill. Does that make sense? He's, it, so obviously the classical thing to fast from is food, right? And that's, the, that's a classic thing. You can also fast from other things. So you can fast from TV, you can fast from media, you can fast from Facebook, you can fast from uh, NPR. That's a really hard one for me, personally. You can do a partial fast. You can fast from alcohol. You can fast from sweets. You can fast from chocolate. But the, do you get the point? Is you're taking something that you usually use to satisfy that hunger, and you're saying, you know what, God, I want you to satisfy that for me. There are some of you guys, and I want to say this uh, pastorally, you probably shouldn't fast from food. Some of you guys who are diabetic, who have eating disorders, who are pregnant, it's okay to fast from other things, all right? Others of you should try fasting from food. The other, final thing I'll say about what fasting is, is fasting goes with prayer like Q goes with you, right? Fasting and prayer go together. Without prayer, fasting is just kind of not eating stuff. Does that make sense? With prayer, fasting becomes a transformative experience. And so last year, I was... Um, in a time of discernment, and I was trying to decide if I should take this job. I had an opportunity to take a new job. And so I said, you know what, I'm gonna fast and pray. And I fasted for like three days. I didn't make any time to pray though. I just fasted, I just didn't eat. And so it was like life as usual, except I was really hangry and I was mean to my wife and kids and there was nothing special about it, right? But the third night, I was able to set aside an extended period of time to pray. And I, like, hit the sweet spot. I hit that place where I'm hungry and I'm feeling different. And it's weird. Until you fasted, you don't know what this is like. But, and I don't know how your body works. But for me, things all of a sudden get incredibly clear and focused when I'm fasting. And as I began to pray, God spoke incredibly clearly to me. He gave me a vivid vision about revival, about my own calling. And it was so vivid that I can still see it in my mind. And it was powerful. And I knew it was from him. And when I, and part of the, how I know is that it's had power in other people's lives. When I've shared this vision with people, I, their eyes light up. And they say, wow, that, that sounds like from, it's from God, right? But, and so it's changed my life. I took the job. It changed my life, but it's because I prayed and fasted together. Does that make sense? That's where the power is. All right, I talked about why we fast, what fasting is. Let me just share a little bit about how fasting works in our lives to bring breakthrough. Is that cool? You guys awake? You guys with me? All right, awesome. Fasting, what fasting does is Fasting, uh, theologically, fasting doesn't do anything, all right? I'll just say that to be theologically accurate. Fasting doesn't change us, doesn't transform us, doesn't do anything, right? Fasting is kind of pointless, except that there's a God, 
all right? And when we fast, we create an environment, we create an atmosphere where God can begin to work on us in a different way, all right? We, fasting is not like a guarantee. It's not a quarter in the vending machine in the sky that we get, you know, a special, like, alien from that vending machine thing at Chuck E. Cheese. But without prayer and fasting, and this is what I want you guys to hear, there are some breakthroughs that will not happen. Jesus comes down the mountain of transfiguration. He sees a demon that's possessing a child. The disciples try to cast it out. They can't do it, right? They've cast out a ton of demons before, but they couldn't get this one. Jesus casts it out with a word. Afterwards, the disciples come to him. They say, Rabbi, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. There's some things that will not happen in your life without prayer and fasting. There are some things that won't happen in your family without prayer and fasting. There's some things that won't happen in the city without prayer and fasting. There's some things that won't happen in this country or the church or the world without prayer and fasting. There's some breakthroughs that we need to pray and fast for, and the question is how much do we want breakthrough? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Let me share, though, what does tend to happen when we fast. First of all, our compulsions and addictions get exposed. And they get brought into a place where God can deal with them. The text says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Right? Surprise, surprise. But the, then the devil comes after him and says, turn the stone to bread. Right? And then the devil begins to come after specific temptations that Jesus is going to face in his career as Messiah. Right? And so when we pray and fast, out into the light come our deepest, darkest compulsions. So it's a little scary. It kind of exacerbates them, actually. But there's also this, I don't, it's a mystery, but there's this breakthrough that God can begin to do in fasting. And one of the reasons that I think we need to fast is that many of us have compulsions in our lives. Many of us have things that are driving us, right? And so we can either give in to them we can fight against them in our own strength, or there's a third way. Actually, we can fast and create a way for God to get at these things. And some of you guys this morning need to be set free from some things in your lives. God, in 2017, wants to set some of you free from stuff that's been haunting you, from compulsions that have been driving you. And I'm saying that if we want that bad enough, maybe we need to pray and fast. Second, when we fast, we experience an increase of our hunger and our longing for God, right? Jesus, what does he say? Man does not live on bread alone, all right? This is, this is really hard for me because I'm a person that's driven by my appetites. I, um, I'm always hungry all the time. Last night, Sarah's watching her Friday Night Lights show. We had a boring New Year's. <laughs> We're all sick, you know. But I just sit there, and there's any, any empty space. I just go to the fridge. I'm like, I need, to, I need to eat something. And recently, you know what I've discovered is that my physical appetite is often just a mask for my, my need for God. Right? I'm not really hungry for another Baby Bell cheese. I'm not really hungry for some more chocolate-covered nuts. What am I hungry for? I'm actually hungry for Jesus. I'm hungry for God. And I feel it in my stomach, and I just eat, right? But fasting helps us uncover that beneath our 
Our, our hunger for other things is a deeper hunger. In fact, one of the reasons why we consume so much stuff is because we need God in our lives. Here's this quote from uh, Blaise Pascal. I love this from his, uh, his meditations. What else does this craving and helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, including baby bell cheese, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Although none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. And this is what we get at, guys. When we fast, we begin to realize that what we're really hungry for is God. And if we're not hungry for God, and I put myself in this category, you know, fasting is a great way to jumpstart our awareness of our need for God. Third, when we fast, we, incre- we experience an increase of God's voice in our life. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this word, is, there's two words for word in Greek. This is not logos, which is like the eternal written code, like biology, psychology, whatever. This word is called rhema. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say rhema. Rhema. I know someone named rhema. Well, what does rhema mean is the spoken word, the voice, the timely word. Right? And so God we hear an increase of his voice when we fast. It's that daily bread that we need, right? The voice of God could be an image, it could be a word, it could be a picture. For me, it was a vision in that time I was telling you about. But what the voice of God does is it gives, it's life-giving. It brings new life where there's death. It brings a way out where there was just a dead end, all right? Some of you this morning need to hear God's voice. Maybe you're in church, like I said, because of a New Year's resolution. Maybe you're here because you've been coming for a long time. You've been looking for God. God wants to speak to you. But sometimes we have to take a first step, right? When I was looking for God before I was a Christian, I didn't grow up as a Christian, I, I got to this place where like, you know what, I just need God to reveal himself to me. And, um, and so what I did is I took a step. I decided I'm going to pray every night and ask him to reveal himself. But for some of you, maybe you need to take a step today. Maybe that's trying to fast. Saying, God, reveal yourself to me. Fourth, fasting leads to an increase of spiritual power in your life. Luke tells us when Jesus came out of his fast, he came out in the power of of the Spirit. Some of us need more power in our lives. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I want some more power. (laughs) It's like having church in here. Some of us are facing some challenges that are bigger than us, and we need God's help. Fasting is a way to get that. Finally, fasting brings us into a new season. That's what happened for Jesus. He went from the first 30 years of his life to the second, right? Right? And some of you guys have a sense God's leading you into a new season this year. It's time for something new. Some of you, it's a new job. It's a new calling. It's a new set of gifts you've discovered to use in God's kingdom. Some of you have gone through some kind of dramatic shift in your life, right? It's a new season. Some of you need a new season, 
Some of you are tired of the last season and you're ready for something different. Maybe you feel exhausted, burnt out, confused, hopeless. Maybe you, got, you need God to bring you into a new season. Fasting can break the status quo. Finally, I just want to get super practical. How do we fast? This is, this is like the quickest part. Three steps. This is not rocket science. First, decide what you're fasting for, right? Fasting is purposeful. And so decide, what is that desire? What's that longing? What came, comes up in you with the new year? What do you want changing in your life, in your family, in, in your world around you? Put a name to that. Name it and say, you know what? God, this is what I want. Some of our desires are too small for 2017. God wants to do something bigger in our lives. Some of us need to ask God, Lord, you know my heart better than I do. What do I want this year? Second, decide what you're fasting from. And this is where you use discernment. Is it food? Is it alcohol? Is it TV? What is it that you're going to fast from? And third, how long are you going to fast? <laughs> That's about it, really. This is a great time for us to press in to, to this together as a church. I think there's going to be real power for us as we start the new year seeking God in this way. It's going to be new for a lot of us. It's okay to be a beginner. But if you're part of this community, I just want to encourage you to join with us in fasting this month. I want to encourage you to do that. So as we close, I want to invite um, worship team to come up and uh, communion servers, you guys can come up too. Are we doing communion first? I think we are. Some kinds of breakthrough, guys, can only happen through prayer and fasting. And so even though we've been talking about prayer and fasting this morning, I think it's appropriate for us to come to the communion table right now to eat something. Why? Because both fasting and this table point us to the same truth, that what we really need in our lives for life and everything else is not something we can eat. It's not something we can watch. It's not something we can buy. But it's the God who made us, formed us for himself. And so when we fast and when we take communion, we make room for Jesus to feed us and nourish us with himself. He's the one that transforms us, friends. He heals us. He brings breakthrough in our lives. He's the one who places within us the desire for change, and he's the one that brings the change. So as we come to the table this morning, I want to invite you to bring with you to the table all of your longings for transformation in your life and in the world in 2017. Bring them to Jesus. Come to him, friends. He has the power to break the status quo in our lives. He died on the cross he rose from the dead, the ultimate breakthrough of all time, so that we could be forgiven and healed and set free and transformed. So in a moment, I'm going to invite all of us who follow Jesus to come up the center aisle and take the bread and dip it to the cup as a sign and a reminder 
that Jesus' body and blood was broken and poured out for our freedom. As we prepare ourselves for communion, I want to make some specific invitations to some specific people here this morning, right? Some of us this morning need prayer, right? Something I've said or in the worship, a nerve has been touched for you and you realize, you know what, I, I do need a breakthrough in this part of my life. And I want to encourage you in addition to taking communion or fasting, we have folks that are uh, ready to pray with you over in the prayer corner and maybe you need to receive prayer this morning. Some of us in the room need to make a decision today or this week that we're going to fast this January. We're going to join this community. You don't need to make that decision right now, but I actually think for some of you it would be helpful for you just to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what I'm fasting for, what I'm fasting from, but I'm, I'm in in January. Some of you are here and you're seeking God. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You wouldn't consider yourself that. Maybe you're because here because of a New Year's resolution. Maybe you're here, you've been coming for a long time. I want to invite you to fast too with us. I want to invite you to do that as a way of taking a step towards God, as a way of opening a door for God in your life. And I believe just like he did with me, he's, if you seek him, you're going to find him. And so if any, any of that fits and you want to make a commitment to fast this month with this community, I want to invite you to ra- actually just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you, all right? So anyone in the room, don't be shy. Don't worry who's looking. Amen. This is awesome. Look, keep your hands up. Just put your hands up. I just want to pray a prayer for you. Lord, I thank you for each person here in this room right now that wants to set aside space in their life for you. And Lord, I pray that as each one opens up a space, whether that's by giving up food or something else, that you would fill that with yourself, Lord. You are the bread of life. And I pray, God, for an increase of your presence in their lives. I pray for an increase of your voice in their lives. Pray for an increase of power in their lives, Lord. God, I pray that you would satisfy them with yourself, Lord. I pray that you would break off addiction and compulsion and the habits that are unhealthy in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would set us free in 2017. Amen. Woo! All right, you can put your hands down. Finally, fasting, as I said, is a path. But the path leads to a person. And there is maybe some of you in the room this morning that actually need, that you, you know that you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. You're ready to come come to him for the first time or come back to him for the first time in a long time. And so if that's you right now, I just want to invite you to raise your hand. Change happens in our lives when we open ourselves up to the God who made us. Jesus died on the cross. He broke through death and rose again so that we could experience new life with him. So if you're here and this morning, that's what you want. I just want to go ahead right now and I put your hand up so I can pray for you. I'm not asking you guys to, amen. I'm not asking you guys to do this, to like put you on the spot. I'm not asking you to do this, to out you. I'm asking you to do this because it's important for us sometimes to mark what's happening on the inside by doing something on the outside, right? And so this is a way for you to say to yourself and to God, yes, God, I want you in my life. I want a relationship with you. And so if that's you, I just want to invite you, put your hand up. Amen, I see you guys. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, 
And if you're, if you're near them, you can just extend a hand towards them. This is an awesome moment. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now in the, in the lives of these folks. Lord, I pray as they are opening their hearts to you right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them up to overflowing? Would you enter into their hearts? Lord, as they say yes to you, God, would you take up residence inside them? Would you fill them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit and God, a new nature, put it in them, Lord. Would you make them more themselves than they've ever been in their entire lives, God, because you've created their inmost being and you know who they are. And so I pray right now, God, for you to reform them and reshape them as you've always made them to be. We bless them right now. And I pray, Lord, you'd surround them with this community to help them take the next step on this journey. And everybody said, amen.